All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia, and you are listening to Eurofolk Radio. Today is June 11th, 2022, and we just about got done with the book of Joshua last week. We're in the very last chapters, but couldn't squeeze those last few verses in. So we're going to pick it up on Joshua 24, verse 14, where Joshua talks about how we, uh, the Israelites under Joshua, dedicate themselves to Yahweh. The first 13 verses of that chapter are basically a recapitulation of how the Israelites came out of Egypt and wound up in Canaan land. <laughs> so and we know that story very well, so I don't think we need to repeat that. And then um, when we get into the book of Judges, we run into the term Kenite, and it's been obvious to me, uh, Dan, that the the term Kenite, as presented in the Strong's Concordance, lacks, it needs a second definition, which it, it terribly lacks. And we'll get into that uh, when we start the book of Judges. Okay, so, all right, over to you, Dan. Okay, Joshua twenty four fourteen. Now, therefore, fear Yahweh and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye Yahweh. And if it seem evil unto you to serve Yahweh, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake Yahweh to serve other gods. For Yahweh, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And Yahweh drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we also will serve Yahweh, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve Yahweh, for he is a holy God. He is a (laughs) jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake Yahweh and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do do you hurt and consume you. And after that, he has done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve Yahweh. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you Yahweh to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto Yahweh God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, Yahweh our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of Yahweh. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it has heard all the words of Yahweh, which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you lest you deny your God. I guess stones have memory. (laughs) (laughs) So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Yahweh, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-serah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And Israel served Yahweh all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of Yahweh that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground, which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. And they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas, his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. 
Okay, so uh, we found out though in the, the latter chapters of the book of Joshua that most of the tribes did not drive the Canaanites out completely. Some of the tribes actually allowed the Canaanites to live among them, whether or not they interbred with them, uh, the, the book doesn't say. Uh, most of them, however, were put to tribute, so they were allowed to live among the Israelites as tributaries, living a separate existence in their, probably their own towns. But most of these uh, Israelite tribes did not obey Yahweh's voice and drive them out completely like they're supposed to. Okay, so we see, and that uh, we have to recall Numbers thirty-three fifty-five, which said. If you do not drive these people out, there will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side <laughs> forevermore, which we find is well, our situation today. Okay? So so Joshua, I think Joshua knew he was speaking to deaf ears. He knew that they would uh, disobey the law. It's just the people who are uh, attuned to having a certain lifestyle, uh, sacrificing, uh, you know, making sacrifices to images and other gods, that uh, that's part of the culture. And 40 years in the wilderness did not drive that culture out of them. Okay, so let's see how they do in the book of Judges. Okay, book of Judges, chapter 1. Yeah, but let's, read, the, the, yeah, let's read this uh, article on the term Kenite from okay. the Encyclopedia Britannica. Let me see if I can put it in the chat room as well. Because the, I think the Encyclopedia Britannica has this correct, that there is another meaning of the word Kenite that is uh, very important. And actually, when uh, Michael and I were doing this series on the children of Keturah, it became very evident that the word Kenite means metalsmith. That's a completely different uh, definition from the word descendant of Cain. And since the uh, philologists of the Bible, the, the, the people who do the word studies, uh, the Judeo-Christian version, they don't make a distinction between a descendant of Cain and a metalsmith. It's very important. You know, not all metalsmiths are descendants of Cain, right? So the uh, Strong Concordance completely overlooks this fact. So here the, the Britannica does, I think, a really good job of giving us another definition. Over to you. Okay, Kenite, member of a tribe of itinerant metalsmiths related to the Midianites and the Israelites who plied their trade while traveling in the region of Araba, the Desert Rift Valley, extension, extending from the Sea of Galilee to the Gulf of Aquaba, from at least the 13th century to the 9th century BC. The Kenites' name was derived from Cain, whose descendants they were believed to be. The Kenites are mentioned several times in the Old Testament. Yeah, but uh, if, fall- you're, if you're descended from Midian, you're descended from Abraham and Keturah, mm-hmm. not from Cain. Okay, so but because these commentators don't make any you know, big deal about descent, the line of descent, then they get this wrong. So it's really obvious that the term Kenite became, uh, had a meaning, a secondary meaning as metalsmith, that's because uh, several of the tribes uh, descended from Cain were, in fact, metalsmiths. They were the first metalsmiths. So that definition, metalsmith, uh, has been applied to these descendants of Midian, who were by no means descended from Cain. Back to you. The father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, was a Kenite. And as priest leader of the tribe, he led in the worship of Yahweh, whom Moses later revealed to the Hebrews as their own God, whom they had forgotten. In the period of the Judges, 12th to 11th century B.C., it was a Kenite woman, Jael, who killed the general of Israel's enemies, the Canaanites. Okay, so she was from a tribe of metalsmiths. She was not a descendant of Cain. <laughs> All right, please continue. Could it also be a geographical term as well? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, that's correct because the metalsmiths, they were kind of like wandering around uh, the Arabian Peninsula and even points further east and points north as well. So in other words, I remember growing up in Chicago, every so often, uh, the, actually the alleys in the city of Chicago were were filled with commercial activity. The The milk guy would drive up the alley and uh, deliver the milk. 
there was a truck that had uh, groceries, uh, primarily fruits and vegetables, and they would pull up in the alley, and all the women would come out and buy fresh fruits and vegetables in the alley. And there would be a guy with a knife sharpening, a, a stone wheel, knife sharpening wheel. And he'd come by every so often, and all the women would come out and get their knives sharpened by this guy. All right, so... The, uh, traveling, traveling merchants, uh, traveling skilled persons, uh, was common. That's the way it was done in those days. And so these people were called Kenites, not because they're descended from Cain, but because of their craft. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Settling among the Israelites, Amalekites, and Canaanites, the Kenites apparently became absorbed into the tribe of Judah. No, see, this is false because that's the assumption you make when you realize that these people were not descended from Cain. And it's uh, this problem with the word Kenite, the definition of the word Kenite, as contained in Strong's, is defective. It needs to be adjusted according to the first paragraph of this article, all right, which says the Kenites, the metalsmiths, were descended, uh, they were Midianites, descended from Abraham and Keturah. Back to you. Conservative groups of Kenites retain their nomadic way of life and beliefs and practices. However, and one such group, the Rechabites in Second Kings, fought alongside the rebel and future king of Israel, Jehu, who reigned from 842 to 815 B.C., against the Omri dynasty and the worshipers of the Canaanite god Baal. Okay, so the way this article started out is absolutely accurate that these uh, Kenite, a member of a tribe of itinerant metalsmiths related to the Midianites, and the Israelites who plied their trade while traveling in the region of the Arabah, all right, the Desert Rift Valley, extending from the Sea of Galilee to the Gulf of Aqaba, which is basically the entire Arabian Peninsula. Okay, so these are not necessarily descended from Cain, and it leads to the assumption that uh, the descendants of Cain intermarried with the tribe of Judah, which they did not. Okay, they simply, I mean, they did this on the sly occasionally, but uh, that bloodline did not enter into the tribe of Judah and certainly did not uh, enter into the bloodline of Yahshua Messiah. Okay, and a lot of people insinuate that uh, Yahshua had Kenite, you know, Canite blood because of the this false and misleading uh, usage of the term Kenite. All right? Okay, so I, I just want to make that clear because there's no possibility of Cain, Cain's blood being in the uh, royal line of Judah. All right. Okay, All so, right. yeah, let's get back judges. to ju- Judges. Chapter yes. one. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked Yahweh, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And Yahweh said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and Yahweh delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek ten thousand men. And they fought in Adonabezek in Bezek, and they fought against him. And they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonabezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adonabezek said threescore and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done. So God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem and had taken it, and smitten it with the edge of the sword, and set the city on fire. And afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountain, and in the south, and in the valley. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron, now the name of Hebron before was before was Kurth Jetharba. And they slew Shishai and Ahaman and Talmai. And from thence he went against the inhabitants of Debir. And the name of Debir before was Kurjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kurth Jethsefer and taketh it to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, 
Caleb's younger brother, took it, and he gave him Aksa, to his daughter, to wife. Okay, I think that we've heard this story before. We did. I think we covered this last week. Yeah, but yeah, maybe it was in the uh, book of Joshua. But here again, so here we have a couple of... Caleb is assumed by many to be a Canaanite because he's referred to as a son of a Kenite, which means he's a son of a metalsmith, not not a descendant of Cain. Okay, so uh, so many... People who want to talk, want to claim that, uh, racial segregation is not taught in the Bible. They want to make claims such as that, but we see that they are clearly wrong, and that's just propaganda and confusion, as, uh, as the people in the chat room are saying. You know, total confusion by the satanic bloodline. Back to you. Verse 13. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass when she came to him that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted from off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, That's went Jethro. out of the city. That's meaning Jethro, and those are Midianites, not Canaanites mm-hmm. or, or Kenites from Cain. Back to you. And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. And the city and the name of the city was called Hormah. And Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof and Ascalon with the coast thereof and Ekron with the coast thereof. And Yahweh was with Judah and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Ooh. And they gave... Harry, and they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said. They were metalsmiths, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. yep. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled thence the three sons of Anak. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt with, dwell, dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and Yahweh was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to describe Bethel. Now the name of the city before was Luz. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance into the city, and we will show thee mercy. And when he showed them the entrance into the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword. But they let go the man and all his family. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built the city and called the name thereof Luz, which is the name thereof unto this day. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshem and her towns, nor Taanach and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Iblim and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Okay, there it is. They did not utterly drive them out, which they were supposed to do. Yep, big mistake. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Alab, nor of Akzib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Rehob. Oh, so we've got but, ghettos. So we've got ghettos of Canaanites among the Judahites and other Israelites, right? And then you mm-hmm. have uh, nations or areas of uh, Canaanites that are in tribute. So they have their own leader. Okay, they have a, basically a small tribes slash nation of Canaanites 
living near the Israelites, paying tribute to the Israelites. So we got a combination of ghettoization of Canaanites and tribute from Canaanites, both happening at the same time. Back to you. They let a lot of them live, didn't they? Yes, I mean, they, they sure did. did. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they needed all that commerce <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where they make those idols, right? <laughs> and, you, yep. and the Israelites buy the idols from them. Verse 32, but the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, where they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Beth Nanath, Beth Anath, but he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and of Beth Anath became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in the Mount Heres in Ajalon and Shealbim, yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so that they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up to Akrabim from the rock and upward. And that concludes chapter 1. Okay, so that's the sad fate, uh, you know, the fail to abide by Yahweh's instructions and completely drive them out. And, uh, of course, that leads to more and more problems down, even up to today. They are a problem for us. And, uh, and I think this, this looks to me like the beginning of the, uh, what we would call the Jewish ghetto, right? ghetto life, uh, living among, uh, our people, the Israelites. And, uh, you know, where they collected their own money and lent money to us and all that kind of stuff. You know, the Frankfurt ghetto, that's where the Rothschilds started their business in the Frankfurt ghetto. Okay, chapter two. Chapter two. And an angel of Yahweh came up from Gilgal to Balkan and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. but They shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. That's right. (laughs) To this day. Yes. And it came to pass when the angel of Yahweh spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bachim, and they sacrificed there unto Yahweh. You know, they did all this weeping and crying, but they didn't do anything about it. <laughs> That's <They> just, right. <laughs> yeah. Verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went unto went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served Yahweh all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of Yahweh that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Yahweh, died, being a 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathares, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not Yahweh, Ooh. nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. How easily they forget. Short memories. No yep, problem. yep. But the Jews <laughs> never forget. <laughs> nope. That is their true huge advantage over us. They keep a record, and they want vengeance for every little slight we might even accidentally commit against them. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Verse 11, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of Yahweh and served Balaam. And they forsook Yahweh, God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked Yahweh to anger. And they forsook Yahweh and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of Yahweh was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. Mm-hmm. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. 
Whithersoever they went out, the hand of Yahweh was against them for evil, as Yahweh had said, and as Yahweh had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, Yahweh raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went <laughs> whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of Yahweh, but they did not so. And when Yahweh raised them up judges, then Yahweh was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented Yahweh because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers, wow. following other gods to serve yeah. them and to bow down unto them. They cease not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. <clears throat> so even if we have honest judges, we, we still don't like it. <laughs> okay, now we've got totally corrupt judges and we're liking it even less. Yep. Mm -hmm. Verse 20, and the anger of Yahweh was hot against Israel. And he said, because that this people has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice. I also will henceforth, I will also not. will not henceforth drive out any from before them other than oh, Joshua left okay. when he died. All right, so that prophecy that there will be pricks in our eyes and thorns in our side became true immediately after they established themselves in Canaan land. That through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of Yahweh to walk right. therein as their fathers did keep it, or to not. Test, to test us, right? He's, yeah. We are constantly being, to, Nasa is the word here, yes, to test, by implication to attempt, adventure, assay, prove, tempt, try. Yes, so he may test us, because, you know, well, are they going to obey me or not? You know, the vast, vast majority of Israelites throughout history have not obeyed. Only That's why only a remnant survives any particular era. Okay. Sad history. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Therefore, Yahweh left those nations without driving them out hastily. Neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Okay. Well, but, and then uh, uh, <clears throat> Saul and David and the rest of the kings of Israel had to have constant warfare with them. Right? Because they're a constant pestilence. <laughs> if you want to talk about disease, just uh, uh, just talk about those Jew parasites. They're a parasitic race of people who will cause all kinds of diseases, not just moral diseases, but medical diseases as well, right? Okay. What is it the, the, that Jews get? It's called Tay-Sachs, right? Aren't they susceptible to Right, that? yeah, that's uh, one of them. Yeah, it's a yeah. genetic disease that causes uh, all kinds of complications. It, it kills them uh, at an early age. Yeah, because, well, that's mm -hmm. because uh, their, their genetics are so mixed up that uh, there's no way you can stitch. <laughs> there's no way you can stitch all this uh, r random DNA together into a healthy human being, right? That, that's mm -hmm. what causes Tay-Sachs. Is, is there? There are mixed up genetics. I like, probably a mixture of all those different Canaanite tribes. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Chapter 3, now these are the nations which Yahweh left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of Yahweh, okay. which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. <clears throat> and the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. Sounds like diseases. <laughs> yep. Amoritis, Perizzites, Hivitis, oh, hives. They give me the hives, right? Yeah. Okay. Jebusitis. mixing. Yep. Here comes in, line, in uh, verse six, and they took their daughters to be their wives, uh. and gave their daughters to be their sons, and served their gods. 
I hope they moved and, uh, into the ghetto. <laughs> okay, hard to say. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of Yahweh and forgot Yahweh their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore, the anger of Yahweh was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Chusharishithatham, king of Mesopotamia. Oh, wow. Okay. And the children of Israel served Chusharishithatham, I don't know, eight years. Good enough. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) Uh, King of Mesopotamia, this guy had to be uh, a fairly, uh, you know, uh, it had to be a fairly big kingdom to call him the king of Mesopotamia. So probably, you know, Chaldea, had to be a Chaldean king. All right, back to you. And when the children of Israel cried unto Yahweh, Yahweh raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And Yahweh delivered Chushashratham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Chushashratham. And the land had... <laughs> You're getting good at it. <laughs> Right. I just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> and the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Okay, so now this uh, the word Kenaz is a proper name, uh, meaning to hunt, hunter. And it is a proper name of one Edomite in Scripture and of two Israelites, okay? Not necessarily of both races. <laughs> Although we're seeing that the uh, children of Israel are getting all mixed up with Canaanites here in this episode of the history. So bad news, but that the, the word Kenaz, just because one Edomite is named Kenaz, does not mean the, the Israelites with that name are also Edomites or Canaanites. Okay, back to you. Okay, verse 12. <clears throat> and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of Yahweh. And Yahweh strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of Yahweh. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Okay, so the Israelites became tributary to the Moabites. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you disobey Yahweh. Will we never learn? Okay. We always pay the price. Yeah, that's right. Verse 15, when the children of Israel cried unto Yahweh, Yahweh raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger, which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. (laughs) <laughs> and when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat, and Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Ooh. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. When he was gone out, his servants came. And when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, surely he covers his feet in his summer chamber. (laughs) In other words, they thought he was in the bathroom. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he was constipated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, who took care of that? Yep. And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore, they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries 
and escaped into Sirath. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount and he before them. And he said unto them, follow after me, for Yahweh has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore years. Okay, so every time they slaughter the enemy, the land has rest for a number of years, right? So yeah. the, and then, then the Israelites start grumbling, oh, we have to obey all these laws. I don't want to obey all these laws. And then they fall into, uh, you know, what well, fall into sinfulness again, and the process gets repeated over and over and over. It's yeah. incredible. Okay. This is boring. We don't yeah, like right. Uh, these yeah. Laws. yeah. 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 But, get, but, but getting slaughtered by the enemy, that's not fun. No. They, they keep forgetting. But Jews never forget. Okay? No. We do. Okay. Verse Sh- 31 to conclude chapter 3. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Okay, so remember, uh, the Israelites were never instructed to destroy or drive out the Philistines because they were not Canaanites. Big distinction. All right. Okay, chapter 4. Chapter 4. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of Yahweh when Ehud was dead. And Yahweh sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harasheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto Yahweh, for he had 900 chariots of iron. In 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not Yahweh God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor? And take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun. And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude. And I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Oh, who was the she, Catholic saint that led the that led the uh, French army? Uh, that, so, because uh, there was a man, no man willing to, to lead the army, Deborah had to had do a it. Woman lead. <laughs> yeah, wow. right, right. Uh, uh, not not Helen of Troy. Uh, damn, I can't think of it. Uh, the uh, it was in the Middle Fem- Ages. Is this a female? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Okay. She, she led the she led the French army. I guess I think it's against the British, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, so occasionally this happens where a woman has to take the uh, uh, the reins. Wow, that's <laughs> of how power. bad things had gotten. Yeah, that's they how bad the men became. <laughs> right? A woman will lead you into war. Amen. Well, it had to be done. It had yeah. to be done. Okay. And okay, verse nine, and she said, I "Joan of Arc, yes." Yes, Joan of Arc. Thank you, brother. Yep. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) All right. Uh, Verse 9. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For Yahweh shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, Kenite, which was the son of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses. Okay, here we go. This is Metalsmith. The meaning here is Metalsmith, not descendant of Cain. Okay. Had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zayanan, 
which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Harasheth of the Gentiles unto the river of ah, Kishon. There's that horrible word, Gentiles, again. Nations. Yeah, yeah, nations. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this day is the day in which Yahweh has delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not Yahweh gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and 10,000 men after him. And Yahweh discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Harasheth of the Gentiles. And all of the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. Okay, so Heber and Jael and Barak are all descendants of uh, Keturah through Abraham. Okay, they are not descendants of Cain. If they were descendants of Cain, who would they be making war against? Israel, mm-hmm. not against the enemies yeah. of Israel. Okay, so a very important, uh, horrible, uh, what's a defect in the Strong's Concordance, and this has led to a poor understanding of Scripture, especially here in the Book of Judges and many other places where you automatically assume that the word Kenite means descendant of Cain. It doesn't always mean that. Okay, back to you. Verse 18, <clears throat> And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be, when any man does come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here that thou shalt say no? Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent, and took a hammer in her hand, and went softly unto him, and smote the nail into his temples, and fastened it to the ground, for he was fast wow. asleep and weary. It had to be a long, so he died. It had to be a long nail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My goodness. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temples. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered. And prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. All right. Yeah, so uh, are, are the Canaanites fighting against each other? No. Uh, these people referred to as Kenites are metalsmiths, not descendants of Cain. Very good. All right. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Then Deborah, uh, then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye Yahweh. For avenging, for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto Yahweh. I will sing praise to Yahweh, God of Israel. Yahweh, when thou went at, wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before Yahweh. Even that Sinai from before Yahweh God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye, Yahweh. Speak, 
ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way, that they are delivered from the noise of archers in the places of drawing water. There shall they rehearse the righteous acts of Yahweh, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel. Then shall the people of Yahweh go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Abinoam. Then he made him that remains have dominion over the nobles among the people. Yahweh made me have dominion over the mighty. Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people, out of Machir came down governors, and out of Zebulun they that handle the pen of the writer. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valley. For the divisions of Reuben there were great thoughts of heart. Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds? To hear the bleedings of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan in Taanach by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their, car, in their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away. That ancient river, the river Kishon. O oh, my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Then were the horse hoofs broken by the means of the pranzings, the pranzings of their mighty ones. Curse ye, Meraz, said the angel of Yahweh. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to help to the help of Yahweh, to the help of Yahweh against the mighty. Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. Okay, more proof that she's not a descendant of Canaan. (laughs) Or Cain, rather. Definitely not. Yeah. Okay, prancing uh, doesn't give a very good definition, properly meaning a part of. Hence, from or out of, in many senses. Actually, it's a preposition. How, so what is the prancings of the, I guess the, it's a, meaning broken pieces? Is that what it means? You know, something like that. Okay, back to you. Um, verse 25. He asked water and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her <laughs> right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer, she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. At her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell down dead. The mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? Her wise ladies answered her, Yea, she returned answer to herself. Had they not sped? Had they not divided the prey to every man a damsel or two? To Sisera, a prey of divers colors, a prey of divers colors of needlework, of divers colors of needlework on both sides, meet for the necks of them that take the spoil. So let all thine enemies perish, O Yahweh, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goes forth in his might. And the land had rest 40 years. Pure poetry. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Song of Deborah. Very good. We we need right. more women like that. Yeah. Well, and and, and JL. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Two star women right there. Amen. Yeah. All right. Judges chapter 6. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of Yahweh. Surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> And Yahweh delivered them into the hand of Median seven years. And the hand of Median prevailed against Israel. And because of the Medianites, 
the, son, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Okay, so now here you have to have a historical perspective because the Midianites were at one time allies of the Israelites, especially under the leadership of Jethro. Okay, but as we, uh, Michael and I discovered in reading that uh, outstanding article on this descendants of Keturah, even the, his own kinsmen uh, were rebelling against Jethro, and he was lamenting the fact that his uh, descendants were uh, rebelling against Yahweh. And so the, the, the Midianites were having the same problem as the Israelites, namely failure to obey Yahweh and falling among themselves and becoming derelicts, etc., and uh, enemies to each other. So uh, this is a common story throughout history, no matter what tribe, but it's really obvious that under Jethro, the Midianites were Yahweh believers, but they, they left, they left off uh, obeying the law just as the Israelites did and ultimately became enemies. So the Midianites and Israelites became enemies, but at this point in time, I don't think they ever had anything in common after this. Okay, back to you. Verse 3, And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the Ooh, children of the east, allied with the Amalekites. Bad news, really bad news. Okay. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. Ah, burn, burn, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, where you burn everything <laughs> in sight, right? Mm -hmm. Slash and burn tactics, I guess, right? Okay. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they wow. and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto Yahweh. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto Yahweh because of the Midianites, that Yahweh sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus say Yahweh, God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. Remember? You. Remember? <laughs> you remember? No. <laughs> Whoa. What? What are you talking about? Okay. I have very short memories. Don't yep. <laughs> yep. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am Yahweh, your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of Yahweh, and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abarazite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Oh, okay. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him, and said unto him, Yahweh is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if Yahweh be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, <laughs> saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Egypt? But now Yahweh has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And Yahweh looked upon him and said, Go in this night, in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And Yahweh said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. It better be first fruits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. And, and Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of ephah, a flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. 
Then the angel of Yahweh put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of Yahweh departed out of his sight. I guess you could say Yahweh consumed the food, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Literally. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of Yahweh, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of Yahweh face to face. And Yahweh said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto Yahweh and called it Jehovah Shalom. And unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And it came to pass the same night that Yahweh said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father has, and cut down the groves that is by it. And build an altar unto Yahweh thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as Yahweh had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Okay. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it. All right. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal. And because he has cut down the grove that was oh, How dare he do that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to kill him for, for yeah. uh, destroying yeah. their, their... Yeah, for a uh, bail altar. Horrible. Bail altar. Yep. Verse 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will uh-huh. ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death. Amen. It is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one cast down his altar. Therefore, on that day he called Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. Uh Oh, here comes the battle. Yep. But the spirit of Yahweh came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet and Abizar was gathered after him, and he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Okay, all right, we won't have time to finish this chapter, no. but the Battle of Gideon is just about to happen. All right, thanks. Uh, thank you, Dan, for narrating. Folks, right, we'll, finish, yeah, we'll finish this story next week. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Get ready to fight, folks, because uh, we're going to have one last battle. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya. See ya. Ooh.